Hey mamas, it's time to rise and grind. It's me, Brittany, and I'm back with Christian Mom Uncensored, the podcast where I dive into all the real, raw, unfiltered mommy struggles and all the things from marriage to raising babies to making decisions to leaps of faith to trials and tribulations, you know it all. Thanks so much for stopping by this Thursday. Welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored. I want to talk about, well, one, I'm using my AirPods to record, which if you hear like a quality difference, it's because I'm recording with AirPods, so you don't have the background noise of the white noise machine, because Elliot is going to sleep, and it's just important he gets this nap today um, for, for life and success and all these things, but I wanted to talk about some, well, to me, some interesting topics, just like the idea of like when to have kids, feelings of motherhood, and even just sort of like transitioning from your 20s to your 30s, and even like all of that. And so I'm going to share my experience, like how it's been for me and my life, and um, what some of the struggles are being somebody who has kids younger than other friends, and then also, but I'm not necessarily, like, young, um, and I want to talk about just kind of establishing a life and what that looks like and how difficult it can be to establish a life and my tips on that. It can be really hard to set yourself up and set up your life, right? Like, when you're 18 years old, you have these ideas and visions for your head. I remember thinking, I'm going to be married by 25. I'm going to have all my kids before 30. And yes, I was able to do it. But I have friends who thought the same thing. And they're not currently in long-term relationships. And we're creeping up on on 30. And so for some of my friends, the reality might might be that they don't have kids until they're 30. And that's completely normal. But the establishment of your life is just so hard. And I feel like the generation before us just doesn't understand that the market and even just the way the world is now isn't the same as it was for them when they were our age. And so um, something I have a hard time with is uh, being the first of my friends to have kids and not really having friends that have kids. And obviously, you guys know I've created this podcast because of it. I've, uh, I started a mom group because of it. And I'm trying to make friends that are moms. But it can be really hard to just establish your life, even just getting to the point where you're moving out your parents' house, you get your own place, you have a job that you can, um, so you can pay for and all of that. And so I just feel like, um, we're all different and we all have our life stories and life paths and not comparing, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Not comparing will, will take you so, so much farther than, um, thinking about that. And I'm somebody who I feel I've lately been feeling like kind of jaded to the point where we were watching my husband and I, like we're old people sometimes. And so we will watch game shows if there's nothing else to watch. Like if we've caught up on our normal day, not, not daytime, like weeknight TV, we'll watch game shows like family feud. There's a show called the wall that I really like. And so, um, We'll do that. And there was one night where I was just feeling frustrated and was thinking about how some people have so much and how some people have so little and how like me and him, like we have, we have enough, like we have actually more than enough. And so, um, but at the time I was feeling jaded, I was like, I can't watch these people win $6 million. And he's like, why? I'm like, because we don't have $6 million and I want $6 million. And it's like, it's so petty and trivial. It was really petty and trivial of me. And I've gotten back to doing my affirmations and um, gratitude journal since then. But honestly, comparison is the thief of joy. And I feel like what we all have to understand about life is that our journey is really unique and only designed for us. And we can have dreams and we will reach those dreams with hard work, right? But they might not fall on our timeline. And sometimes we have to adjust the timeline. 
And how boring would life be if we met every single goal and had no challenges every time we got there and like every time we set out to do so? And how boring would it be if, because I think about how like right now and throughout this whole podcast, really, I'm still facing a pretty big giant in my life, um, a, a pretty big challenge. And I would love for this giant to definitely fall down. I would love for it to go and I would love to be on the other side of it. But I just keep thinking about how amazing it's going to feel once we are on the other side of it. And so that's what keeps me taking these steps forward every day, even though sometimes I'm anxious and I'm scared about the future. Um, like I've said in the past, you really have to check yourself sometimes and think, am I living in today? Am I living in today and not worrying about tomorrow or yesterday? Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Yesterday, we can't change anything. So like, let's focus on today and um, just having the best kind of day we can today. And so it can be really frustrating, especially if you're somebody who's been trying to have kids for a long time, or you just want to have your last baby, or you are a single mom and you've been hurt in the past from a really bad relationship and you're trying to find another person, but it's harder with kids, or maybe you're not where you want to be in life financially or career-wise and you're tired of kind of struggling with it. I'm not saying that those things aren't hard. I think those things are really hard. I think, you know, it, it, it can be really hard to deal with those things, but just remember whenever you do reach those goals or get those things that you are hoping for, it's going to be so much sweeter. And I have to remind myself of that. And on another point, social media, I I love social media, right? I'm trying to make it my job, right? Like I would love to just be social media and, and content. And, um, but when the fact that you constantly are looking at other people's lives, can really affect your mental health and how you feel about your own life. Because whether you like it or not, you can't just look at someone's perfect house and not think about your house, right? Or, you know, you either get an idea, like right now I'm trying to create a really cute um, play space for the kids. Just like, granted, my house isn't that big, but I'm just trying to organize it better because I've acquired so much stuff even in just the year living here that it's time to declutter and and organize and I wish I could just hire somebody to do it I just don't know anybody so side note if you know anybody who's really good at organizing and like decluttering and like setting up cute spaces I would love to work with somebody um because honestly it's not my strong suit and I'm really trying for it to be but anyway the fact that we are looking on social media other at other people's lives constantly, we naturally compare ourselves. So if you see a mom breastfeeding and you really struggled with breastfeeding and you still feel guilt about it, you see that she made it to like nine months and you're like, wow, I only lasted four weeks. And then you feel bad or say that you are really, really like your dream is just to have a house, like a bigger house. And you see somebody just bought like a $2 million home. And you're like, what? They just bought a $2 million home. What? And you don't know. You're like, I don't know how they could afford to do that or how they even did that. And I'm looking at buying a house and there's no way I could get that kind of place. And, you know, that's why for me with social media, I like it because I like to get ideas. I love to connect with other people, but for my sanity, I set a time limit on it every day. I can only spend an hour on social media a day and then my phone turns it off or says like it's done and I can click like 15 more minutes or ignore it. But most of the time I only, um, I only, I only ignore the reminder if it's like internet shopping and it stops me from doing that. I'm like, wait, 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 I'm not done looking at things. Um, and I think that's the most, that's the best thing to do. And, just to appreciate what you have because there's somebody somewhere that wants what you have. And I've had to remind myself that this week um, because I've been feeling really, really like not grateful and really anxious about things of the future that can or cannot be your problem. And I'm honestly, at least I'm saying this today, I'm honestly, um, 
going to worry about it when I need to. And right now I don't need to. So I'm going to enjoy my summer vacation. Okay, so I'm at the point where we've lived in our this new county that we lived in for a year and this new kind of town that we've lived in for a year. And I'm ready to start establishing my life here. Because when we lived in Hagerstown, um, Ethan and I, it's our favorite place we've ever lived. We went from living in a really crappy townhouse that was roach infested to this beautiful apartment with great lighting um, that faced the woods. And it was like beautiful in the in the winter. We lived right near community college and we would just walk our dog. And it was just like the best time of our lives. If you ask either of us, we will still say that's the favorite place we've lived aside from the home we're in now, um, the house we're in now. And I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, and I was really established there. And I haven't gotten to the point where I felt established anywhere else yet. So I have to make some friendships here with people that I can see weekly or, you know, every other week and hang out with and connect with. And then also to the point where people know my coffee order. And so, like, that was my favorite thing about the place I used to live was every morning I would go get coffee and the cashier knew me by name, knew what was going on in my life. I knew what was going on in her life. She told me about her kids. She was the sweetest lady. She always had like the fresh food out, just pulling it out and like would hand me a donut some days or, you know, chatting about life and everything. And I would get my coffee and like we knew each other. It was like, and then I had my weekly uh, Zumba class with my favorite instructor and I loved the women I worked out with. And so I'm kind of craving to create a life for myself in that way. And since the world is opening up and um, as things get safer, um, the more and more people get vaccinated or whatever, um, I'm ready to go to the gym and to Zumba two or three times a week and make friends and... um, all of that. And so if you are like me and have recently moved or just haven't explored your town, my, my challenge for you, you know how last week it was self-care, is to do five things to get yourself settled in your life. And it could be if you are unhappy at your job, look for a new job. It could be I'm going to go try, I'm going to go walk the downtown area of the town I'm in. Or the closest town. And I'm talking small town. Like if you, you don't need to go downtown to the city um, and find like a little restaurant, like look for a local place to eat, go to a local event. If you can check on Facebook, you can check on Eventbrite. Eventbrite. Like I've said before, um, my biggest advice if you're going out of town is to get on Groupon and Eventbrite and just type in the zip code and see what's going on the week you're there. Um So find something to do in your local community. So like look up for an event, go to like a little mom and pop restaurant. Um, My thing now is I want to try, there isn't that many coffee shops, but I would love to find, that was my favorite thing about where we used to live too. I would just love to find a cute little coffee shop to go to Um, once a week. It could be like Saturday or Sunday mornings or Saturday, Sunday after church or something like that. And then third would be um, maybe join a community group. I know that I joined a mom group. Obviously, this is Christian Mom Uncensored, so most of my listeners are moms. Join a mom group. But if you're not a mom, there's so many other things. If you want to start walking, there's groups that walk. If you want to, if you enjoy flowers, there's people that like flowers. If you um, want to hang out, there's like, there's like singles in, in the area. If you're looking to date, there's like young women. Like you just find a group that's in your area and try to go to one of those events to help you get settled and then just start exploring the community. I think we've all been locked up for over a year and it's summer. So I know we all are doing our summer things, but don't forget to, to explore where you live locally. There's so many little restaurants that my mom has been finding that we never heard of or have been to and they're really cute and they're cool. And so she's checking them out. So I'm gonna check them out. And Um, things like that. Or even like I was, I, so something that I really, really love, really, really love is karaoke. I love a Thursday night karaoke. You go out with like a friend or two, you can order some wings, a pitcher of beer or some water or whatever you want to have that night and sing a song. And so I post it in the mom group that I'm in 
hey, is there, where's karaoke around here? And then people gave me three spots. One, I didn't really feel comfortable going to. The second, I'm like not sure if I'm going to be comfortable or not, but I'm going to take my friend and their safety in numbers and um, go to karaoke one week and like start establishing a normal. That was my normal where we used to live was karaoke Thursdays. And I, I really love karaoke, guys. It's just a great time to get out. And um, so just try to get a little more comfortable. And like you can start working on your team. I'm starting reading or I'm starting to read the 5 a.m. Morning Club, I think is what it's called. And it's been around for a while. Like this concept of like waking up earlier. And if you do that, like how it helps your productivity and everything. And I personally think 5 a.m. is a little too early for me. Um, it might actually not be, but I'm not interested in that. So I'm going to do like a 5.30 a.m. Because Elliot wakes up at like 7. And that would give me a decent time in the morning to 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 do the things I need to do for the goals that I have. And also mental health-wise to have some time to do some affirmations, have some time for some devotion, have some time alone, hopefully. And so getting up at 5.30 um, is the new goal that I'll start on Monday. So I'll let you know how that goes. Something else is just getting myself together and getting out the house and just chatting up with anybody that I see. <laughs> trying to get to know the neighbors. I feel so awkward with my neighbors because I don't know them and they all seem nice, but nobody seems like they want to have a long conversation. And like, I'm trying to be like, hi, what's your name? How are you? And I continue to have a conversation. They're just want to walk in their house. I'm like, I know you're trying to go inside, but listen, I want to hang out. So I'm hoping like one weekend, I really hope that like one weekend it will be evening and a lot of people will sit outside and we'll be able to walk around and meet people because it's, I really want friends to be friends with my neighbors. And honestly, the requirements for when we buy our house, when we buy a house is like, I want the neighborhood to be really friendly. I am going to walk around and say, and, and knock on doors and be like, Hey, and if they're rude, then I don't necessarily know if I want to be there. Are there kids on the street actively playing? Like those things are important to me. That was a long spiel. So, yeah, don't compare yourself, work on getting established, and um, be confident in who you are. I feel like you get to the point where motherhood and adulthood can feel like high school, and you don't want it to feel like that again, right? Like, at least I don't, because I'm a very different person than like who I was when I was in high school and my high school experience overall I would say was fine I don't think look back on high school and think like those were the best years that's what I think about college um and so I just always want to be my outgoing bubbly self that does what she wants when she wants to like that doesn't hold back. I used to always say the world is your runway and people would be like, why are you dressed up so much? And I would say the world is your runway. In fact, in college, um, me and my roommate, we used to do like formal Fridays. So instead of a lot of people do like casual Fridays, no, 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 no. We're not putting on sweatpants or jeans on Friday. We are dressing to the nines and we are going to go through our day being cute. And I love that about us. And so I generally feel better if I just get dressed. So for a long time with COVID and having a newborn and I'm just constantly breastfeeding, I've been living in like flumpy clothes. And if you're a mom of littles, you might relate where you kind of are just putting on whatever. But recently I've been buying more like, like trying to rebuild my closet. And I really, really, really want the time. I just don't have it to, to clear out the closet and, um, get rid of stuff and set my closet up really cute. Do the same for Mia, do the same for Elliot. Like I would love to do our closets over because we're kind of just living in whatever, except for the kids, like their dressers are organized. Um, and that's where most of their clothes are. The things in the closet are off season, but and probably won't fit this season because kids grow. You guys know how kids grow, but um, I just want to 
define my adult style. And I was really into the mom style for a minute. And I really still am like biker shorts, a t-shirt, a baseball hat and sneakers with like a Starbucks coffee is a whole vibe or a Duncan with the cold foam. Yeah, that's a whole vibe. I'm with it. And I love it. But I want there to be days where I dress specifically like a mom for like mom errands and then days I dress like me. And I feel like you have to have your own identity and find yourself again after having kids. It can be really hard not to get sucked into the mom role and to just only focus on being a mom, which is good and great and well and fine. But it's really important that you still do the things you love. Like Brittany loves karaoke. Brittany loves to sit on a patio and chat with some girlfriends and have a mojito. Brittany loves writing. Brittany loves dancing. Um, Brittany cares about people. And so like being who I am, I need to make time to like, maybe I go to karaoke once a month. It doesn't have to be every week, but let me just make my monthly appearance and start there. Um, And maybe I dress up on a certain day of the week because I feel like it. Let me put on makeup twice a week. I don't put on makeup at all now. And it's probably good for my skin and my skin actually looks really good. But I'd still, I still prefer how I look with some eyeliner and some lashes and some earrings on. Like, there you go. I, and some, a little bit of um, bronzer. Bronzer is my whole life. I love bronzer. Um, a little contour. I don't contour hard. But, like, you know, liven your face up a little bit. I actually just started using highlighter, and it changed my life. So I just want to remind you to find yourself again if you've forgotten to. On a different note, I want to talk about how important it is to research. I think that um, when you become a mom, you initially and naturally become protective of your kids. And so I just want to remind all you mamas out there, if you're putting your kid into a school or a daycare or hiring a nanny, and even when it comes down to food, you really do need to research background check, um, look for reviews, talk to people before you use things. Or I'm more so talking about going to like daycares and things because you never know what kind of people they're hiring. Um, so research, research, research is important as a mom. And I know that when I had Mia, I was really concerned. And even with Elliot, I mean, it's always different with the second baby, right? Like, you know, they're going to be fine. So you're a little more lax. Um, I was really, really concerned with food. Like, was she eating organically? Was she eating healthy? What was she eating every day? Um, And I checked the ingredients on everything. And even now, I'll say this. There are people, and you might be one of these people, who make your own baby food. I did that with Mia for a time. Um, Who, Or you might baby let wean, which is what I do with Elliot. And, I mean, he is eight not well he's almost nine months now I can't imagine um just giving him purees right now like that would just be so weird to me if I was just giving him purees but anyway um but when so when I had Mia I and I know that a lot of moms were wondering like okay so how did you start food with your baby and so I'm going to tell you how I did it and what I did and all of that so with Mia, like I said, I was really concerned. I made her own baby food for a while and I was working full time out away from home. And so I started buying pouches. Um, and I didn't buy anything Gerber ever because honestly, there's, here's what I'll say about food. It just depends on what's important to you when you feed your child. Like everyone has the right to your opinion and honestly, it's all subjective. So it just depends on what you feel comfortable. You might be a mom who loves giving your kid, like I grew up on Gerber graduates and um, eating those arrowroot baby cookies that taste really good. Like I grew up doing that. But as I became a mother myself, I just knew there's like a lot of artificial ingredients in there. And so if you don't care about that, like you could, nothing's going to happen to your baby if you give them Gerber, right? I am 100% healthy. I am perfectly fine. Um, I am not overweight or obese or have any major health issues. I'm actually, I have a good, like I'm, I have great health. So I will say that it's important that we're informed 
as parents, but maybe don't obsess over everything that we do or decide to do with our kids. Um, And food and nutrition is important to me, which is why I never gave Elliot rice cereal. I know a lot of women, especially older women, will say, put rice cereal in a baby's bottle. It'll help them sleep because their bellies will be full. And and I remember when I was at work and I was talking about how often I was up with Mia, they were saying, well, you just need to put some rice, rice cereal in her bottle. And she was like, when are you going to start doing that? And I looked at this woman who I respect, like I still respect her. Um, I no longer work with her. I work somewhere else now. But I was like, I would never give my kid one, I'm never giving my kid rice cereal even just to eat. And two, I'm definitely not putting it in a bottle. Um, and that's just like an old fashioned way of doing it. Did people used to do that and a lot of us turn out fine if they did that? Yeah. That's just what I didn't want to do with my kids. And so um, this is a a side tangent. A lot of times when you're a mom, right, and you have little kids, women, other women, older women, women who have raised kids will try to give you advice. And they mean it with the best intentions. They have the best intentions sometimes because you guys know when there's somebody throwing shade. But in terms of discipline, in terms of food, in terms of nutrition, we are always evolving like as a society. And so obviously what you did in the 90s or the 80s is very different than what I'm going to do in 2021 for my kids because we know better. And when you know better, you do better. And so it's hard because you don't want to look at, you know, somebody who you might respect or maybe even like a family member and say, you know, that wasn't like the healthiest thing to do. Um, Because obviously their kids turned out fine. And just because it wasn't super harmful doesn't mean it was like the best choice. But anyway, back to food. I will never judge a mom who feeds their kid dino nuggets, Gerber graduates, Chef Boyardee SpaghettiOs. I will never judge a mom who does that. Am I a mom who does that? No. One, I tried to give Mia some SpaghettiOs. She doesn't really like them. I, I, I tasted them. They're so irony. Like, they taste like I don't like them either. I was like, oh, you don't want to eat this. Um, I guess it's just like you get older. You realize some things are gross that you used to like. And if you like SpaghettiOs, cool. If you give your kids SpaghettiOs, cool. I'm not judging you. Like I said, I will never judge. I won't judge you also if you are an entirely gluten-free household you're all or you're all vegan and everything is organic and home, homemade. I won't judge you for that. For me, it's important to have like a healthy balance, right? I don't want to deprive my kids from things they like, like Chick-fil-A. I'm not going to depl- or even McDonald's fries. I don't want to say you can never have this. It's not good for any of us to eat, but if if we're only eating for nutrition and not for pleasure, like that's kind of sad. Like I enjoy having a piece of chocolate cake on my birthday. I'm not eating it for nutrition. I'm eating it because that's my favorite type of cake. Um, and so this just turned to a long, like random side tangent. But when it comes to our kids, I think as parents, when it comes to discipline and it comes to food and it comes to pretty much everything, we have to find, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a healthy balance. Um, and so that's what I have to say. And in terms of food, I highly recommend baby led weaning. I also feel like sometimes I'm the type of parent who has a little crunchy in her and like a little silky. And if you don't know what that means, crunchy parents are parents that are you're all organic, you baby wear, you co-sleep, you breastfeed. And then silky parents are like formula feed, um, put the baby down like, you know let their baby watch TV. Um, and it's not like one form of parenting is good or, or, or bad. It's just that there's a difference. And I'm honestly a helicopter mom. I, I wish I wasn't, but I am. And I don't think I can change that. Or even if I, so like I can loosen the reins, but that doesn't mean my insides are not going to be anxious. Um, and when I say I'm a helicopter mom, I mean like when I'm at the playground, my eyes are on my kids. My which is smart, right? I definitely have like the paranoia of there's bad people in the world. Let me make sure my kids are safe. There is this one park we go to and a lot of times it'll just be, it's a, it's typically on Saturday mornings. I'll take Mia and Elliot and Ethan will mow the lawn. Um, and 
typically there's not really any other kids there. Sometimes another kid will come depending on how early we go. But if we go at like 9 a.m., which is what I kind of prefer, like we wake up, we eat breakfast, we get dressed, I grab my Starbucks and we head straight to the park. Um, there's usually no one else except for older, some old people, like actually a lot of old people like to walk the, the trail and stuff. And so I, we will go hang out there and then I'm not as concerned. Like I'll let her walk from the car. So literally it's like the parking lot, you park the car and you're at the playground. So like, I'll let her walk from the car on the sidewalk to the playground. But if there are other kids and adults and we roll up, she needs to wait until I'm ready to walk with her after I get Elliot out the car and everything. And so it's just about like having balance. Like what age would I let Mia walk home from the bus stop? Well, it depends on where is the bus stop? Is it at the top? So when I was growing up, um, I had some weird schooling, as you guys know, like weird history. But when the, the, I lived in a house in at the very end of the street. So like at the very back, it was kind of like, I don't know if it's called a cul-de-sac, but there was no outlet. So like if you drove in, it's the same with my street now. If you drive into our street, you're going to have to like turn around to drive out of it. Like there's no outlet. And so my house was towards the end of the street. And so actually it was like three houses from like the circle at the end of the street. And then at the very, so there's like maybe seven houses or maybe eight houses. There's like a lot of houses. And then at the top of the street is where the bus stop was. And I only went to kindergarten. So I don't even know. Oh no, I went to first grade too. Um, I didn't go to second grade. Then I got homeschooled. But I'm thinking what I let Mia as a second, my mom met me at the bus stop and took me to the bus stop every morning. Again, I was only a first grader. What age would I let Mia do that if in our future neighborhood it's a similar scenario? And I'm going to say like double digits, like 10, 11, and it depends on maturity. Um, the biggest thing for me with Mia and the bus stop and my kids and up, this is a whole other random side tangent. I uh, want to always be home. So like, yeah, I know that Mia gets off the bus at 3.15. She should be walking through the door 3.20, 3.25 at the latest if she's like lollygagging and chatting with friends. Um, and even if she is 10, I could still see myself like kind of waiting at the bus stop to say, hey, you can walk back with your friends. Like, you don't have to talk to me. I know how it is as you get older, but I just want to like see your face and then like be, it's cool. Um... So yeah, I'm a helicopter parent. But back to the food thing, I was just thinking about how it's just important to research everything when it comes to your kids. And even like doctors and pediatricians. <clears throat> and I don't know why people have a weird relationship with doctors. I I mean, I do, per, I do as well. And I think it's because, for like for instance, like when you gave birth, um, for me, it was really important to have a doula. Next time, would I have a doula? I don't know. Actually, next time I might want it to be just me and E if we have another baby one day and down the line. Not anytime soon. I kind of like the intimacy of just you and your partner. I love my doula. I highly recommend my doula. If you want her information, I will send it to you so fast. Um, it was amazing. My birth with Elliot was amazing. But I just love the intimacy of... Um, just like the two of us in like a really low lit room. But when it comes to doctors, I think it's just like you have to, and the reason why there's so much fear around birth, this is a whole nother conversation, is I was so afraid when to give birth because of the, the, the pain of, you know, actually giving birth. But there's so much fear around, um, for me, around having a hospital birth because I knew that statistically black women, you know, die more in childbirth than any other person. Um, I knew that the C-section rate at a hospital is like exponentially higher than if you were at, obviously at a birthing center, they can't do that. Or at home, you can't do that. You would have to, it would only have to be for an emergency. And I feel really thankful and, and grateful and blessed that with both of my births, um, I went in to labor really, really well-knowledged and well-equipped with all of the tools I needed. And my birth partner, who was my husband and is my husband and will always be my husband, um, was a stand-up birth partner in the sense that we, one, I felt better 
because he was going to be there. Two, he, um, we talked about my keywords. We talked about what I wanted. We talked about how I wanted to go natural for as long as I could. And if I couldn't, that would really suck, but I'd like to go naturally. And I didn't, honestly. Do I feel like a failure? Um, no, they both still came out vaginally. That was the ultimate, that was my ultimate goal. So hooray, I met those goals. And if honestly, if you've had a C-section, that is beyond your control. Like you did everything you could. There was nothing else you could have done. And with Mia's birth and Elliot, they both had like, um, scary moments. I feel like all births have like a scary moment just because it's like a weird health experience. Like nothing bad is going to happen to you. You and your baby are going to be fine. There's just moments where you're like, what the heck is happening? And with Mia, Ethan knew that he knew the intervention conversation and he knew the delay strategy of if they want to give me Pitocin, can we try a different position? Can we try the peanut ball first? Can we try, can we give her another hour and see if she progresses? And that kind of conversation to kind of ward off things that make labor worse because Pitocin contractions are 10 times worse. I am telling you, who I've had Pitocin with both of my kids. It really, really, like I was handling the contractions fine. Like, they still suck. I could handle them though, right? Like I could breathe, I can move, I could do my thing. You give me Pitocin and it's almost like, what? So yeah, anyway, but in terms of like trusting your doctors and stuff in your birth experience, I just kind of went and guarded knowing that if I go to my OBGYN office where I see four doctors and one of them may deliver me, um, are they going to let me do what I want? And also when you're there, you're, there's residents and kind of like Grace Anatomy, there's like residents and, um, interns and they're going to be there. And I gave birth at a teaching hospital. So they were like, can people come in the room? And I was like, yeah, let them learn from me. I don't care. And I was really lucky that both times they let me do what I wanted to do for as long as I could with Mia, I was in labor for 37 hours. Okay. So it was a long labor. By the time I got to the hospital, it was probably like it wasn't fully 24 hours, but my water had broken. And so when your water breaks, they want you to give birth within 24 hours. And with Mia, she was born at like two o'clock in the afternoon and my water broke a little bit before then. So we were up against the deadline. Like it was very soon that they wanted to do a C-section with her. Um, and then it was like, all right, girl, this is game time. Let's go. And she came. Um, and then with Elliot, he was faster. And so I'm, sh- I hope like the next one would be faster, even faster. Cause with Elliot, I don't know, like birth is such a weird experience. Cause it is a very hard thing to go through. I think it's beautiful. I think it's spiritual. You can handle it if you're pregnant. Honestly, what's so weird about it is I would like, I would honestly do it again. Like I would, it really is hard, but like, it's also magical. Like I would do it again. So, but I knew like with certain doctors, okay, if I write out a five page birth plan, they're going to laugh and say, haha, you have no control. And in the way you don't, like, you don't know what's going to happen when you get there. But if you and your partner, here's what I found was the most important. When you first get to the hospital, if you're having a hospital birth and you have specific goals in mind, because um, at home and at a birthing center, they're a lot more like they listen to you. Like it, you have to have a voice in the hospital. Like you can't be somebody who's quiet and shy. Like you have to have a voice. And so make sure you and your partner are the ones that know your birth plan front and back, especially your partner. So Ethan knew like they first wanted to do Pitocin. He was like, can we give her some more time? Um, when, it, when they were asking if I want an epidural, he was like, well, let's not talk about that yet. Is there something else she can have? And so then I was given Stadol instead of an epidural. And so he was really good at being like, I told him, like, if I'm in the middle of a tr- contraction, right, I'm not going to be thinking clearly. I might, th- my goals might fly out, fly like out of my radar. I need you to make sure you know what I want and like advocate for me. Um, 
if they're going to put something into my IV, ask them what it is. Like, I want to know what's going on. And he was really good at that. And he was like right by my side the whole time. And it was just the sweetest birth, Mia's birth. My whole family was there. It was just so sweet. Elliot's birth to me. Okay, guys, this is where I'm uncensored. Was a little lonely. Isn't that crazy? And I had a doula. And let me tell you why it was a little bit lonely. I It was magical in the sense that we got there and everything was aligned for us. You can listen back to that episode if you want. And, But when it came time to have him, and that's why a lot of times it's just me and Elliot because there really was just us a lot. Um, I had get, got an epidural, right? I was going to sleep. Now, I still felt intense pressure. I still felt everything. I remember going through transition and shaking. I remember all of it. And so I remember I was trying to get some rest. My doula was trying to get some rest. Ethan was asleep on the couch. The couch is way far away from the bed. So when I had given birth to Mia, Ethan did sleep on the same couch. Um, But my mom had come back and was in a chair next to me. So, like, she could hear my every, like, whine and whimper and things like that. So, like, she knew what was going on. At this point, my doula walked away to take a break, have a snack, kind of breathe, get out the room for a little bit. Ethan was asleep on the couch. And I'm in the bed by myself, shaking, going through transition. And then also, I started pushing, right, uncontrollably. Like, Ellie, it's it's time to go. Like, you, it is really, really true that when it's time to push, your body just is going to start doing it. Like, you literally can't control it. And I remember thinking, like, I can't control it. They had just checked me. I was, like, at a seven. I wasn't even there yet. Or a six. And, like, they checked me, like, 45 minutes ago. Like, 45 minutes before I pushed him out. They were, like, you're at a six. We're going to, like, go to sleep. Like, get some rest. We'll see what happens. And they gave me Pitocin and an epidural. Ethan's asleep. I'm pushing and shaking and I can't like, I'm at a place where I can't yell, right? Like I'm like, I can't, I just can't. So I'm like trying to get him. I don't want to hit the nurse's button because I honestly don't want them to come in without my backup already awake and ready for like defense mode. And so, um, I'm like, babe, babe. And I'm like whispering. And then finally I get, he says, what? And I said, babe, I'm pushing. And he's like, okay. And then he was like, wait, wait, what? And I was like, I need you over here. So then he comes over and I'm like, he's like, what, what do I do? I'm like, can you call the nurse? Um, at that say, at that very minute, our nurse Faggy comes in. I have so much love for her. And she's like, cause the baby monitor, like the heartbeat monitor slipped. And she's like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm pushing. She was like, whoa, 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 don't do that. And I was like, I can't stop. And so then she got the doctor doctor comes in and um she's like oh he's here like there's his head all right I need you to roll over and push and they don't know how long he's been there and that's why the heart monitor like that's why they couldn't that's why Faggy came in like they couldn't hear the um the heart monitor anymore because he was out like he was almost out and so then I pushed him out and then it was the blue his birth was fast I don't know why I just told you guys that but I'm just reminiscing now about my birth it's really magical and like really sweet. And honestly, those moments are so weird. Cause I think like I'm holding right now, Elliot's asleep in my arms. I'm holding my big nine month old baby. I know his personality. I know his temperament. I know what he wants when he wants it. But when they're new like that, like you're just getting to know each other. Like, yes, you've carried him this whole time. And then they come out and then he's finally on your chest and you know, like they, he, and you instinctively and like intuitively just like are connected and he knows who you are and he trusts you and he needs you and whatever but you still don't really know him and then you are like half the the hardest part is that you are running on no sleep and then they just leave you with a baby and you're still no not sleeping and I remember being so frustrated when I was in the like the recovery room I forgot what it's called like the mother baby suite or whatever after you get all cleaned up and you can finally like get to the next place where you can walk on your own and stuff you have to be able to walk and go to the bathroom and everything on your by yourself before you're transferred there and so we're transferred there and I'm nursing him nonstop, which is why he's a boot baby but I'm really proud of it and I remember they would walk in and be like you're feeding him again and I'd be like, yeah, it's been like 30 minutes. It's been like, not 30 minutes. I'd be like, yeah, it's been like two hours. It's time. Or if it was like an hour and 45 minutes, I'd be like, let me just see if he's hungry. And I would be holding him the whole time. And they were like, 
just lay him down and go to sleep. And I should, I'm really bad at this. Just laying the baby down is not my gift on this earth. And even Ethan is like, you know, let's just hold. And then like when you lay them down, you just want to hold them. So it's like, why not just hold your baby? Like, I don't care what anyone tells me to do. I do what I want. And um, I remember them just like every time they would come in to do my vitals, they would take him, swaddle him and put him in the bassinet. And I would be so annoyed. I'd be like, you can do this while I'm holding him. Like, it's fine. And then I would take him as soon as they left, I would pick him back up and basically unswaddle him and cuddle like skin to skin. They're probably so annoyed with me. I'm the worst um, patient because I, the way I feel is this, you are my doctor, right? But you're not my boss. In fact, I chose you as my doctor. I chose this hospital. Therefore, I'm your client paying you to do these things. So you need to do what I say, unless it's hurting somebody, like just do what I ask. And I'm like a sweet, nice, caring, like a fun, bubbly person. All right. The last little other topics I wanted to touch on. I know I just talked a whole lot about birth, but I wanted to give some advice to moms who are going to be having babies soon um, or in the future about like what to pack in your hospital bag and little things that I used, didn't use, needed, didn't need. So the hospital will pretty much provide you with everything. So you might hear this. If you're having a hospital birth, you can pack light. However, um, depending on how often you like to change clothes, I wish I would have packed one more outfit for myself with Elliot. With Mia, I feel like I packed like the five outfits for myself and I didn't need that many or something like that. But with Elliot, I literally only packed a comfy outfit and a going home outfit. And typically that's all you're going to need because you're going to do your whole labor delivery thing, go to your room, still probably in the hospital gown, right? And then once you feel up to it, you can finally get in the shower and then change into your comfy clothes. And then after that, change into your going home clothes. And so my comfy clothes were, they said like, you don't need to pack pants. I like com- comfy pants. So I packed pants. Um, and it was like a long sleeve button shirt. And I also had the matching robe in case I wanted to just wear the robe and not wear the pants or the shirt. Um, but I preferred to wear the pants and the button shirt because I could easily like unbutton to breastfeed and it was just cozy. And I was, I also had Elliot have, mine was navy blue and he had a navy blue hat and swaddle and we kind of just matched in the hospital. He literally blew out in that outfit in less than an hour and he was stuck wearing, um, and because he did that, I put him back in the hospital onesie. And then I changed his clothes. So I guess it depends on what you want to do. My thing that I didn't do with Mia was I never changed her out of the stupid hospital onesie until we left, which is silly because like once you have your baby, you can dress them however you want. Um, but in the hospital onesie is like often, at least from both of my kids, it's like long, it's too big. It's usually size like zero to three or three to six months. And both of my kids um, fit newborn pretty well when they were born. Um, I don't really give birth to big babies though. One was 615, one was 614. So like petite-ish, um, not too small, not too big kind of babies. But in terms of like going into the hospital, make sure you eat beforehand. Honestly, who cares if you poop on the table? If that is your only concern, trust me in the moment, you're not going to care. You're going to need food for energy. Um, I remember, at least with Elliot, I was allowed to eat. So I was eating applesauce. I had a bowl of cereal that I was snacking on. And honestly, for most hospital births, it's not the case that you can eat. Um, usually they don't let you. I mean, because you could get sick and throw up. And I'm like, okay, who cares? If I get sick and throw up, it's a hospital. It happens. Um, and I actually was really nauseous both times during transition. I did not really throw anything up, though. There was nothing to go. Um, I'm sorry if that's TMI, but, um, I definitely packed like, even my doula was like pack, like cut up little fruit or even like those applesauce, like those go-go squeeze applesauces and I'll sneak it to you if they don't allow it. And so we were fully prepared to feed me no matter what, but luckily the hospital fed me. And honestly with Mia, the thing that saved my life was broth. So if you want to have like chicken broth or beef broth or vegetable broth, um, 
because with Mia, they did not allow me to eat and it was just me and Ethan and we didn't think to bring me anything. So like 37 hours of labor with no food. Um, so finally I did get like some beef broth a couple hours before she was born and it gave me new life. It literally, cause I had no energy. Just think about how, how you feel when you're hangry. Like you don't want to be feeling that in, in the middle of birth. So, um, for some people you might not even want to eat, honestly, Hunger is the last feeling that I was focused on, but I did feel like it was important to keep my strength up. So I was like nibbling on cereal with Elliot. So in terms of what to pack in your hospital bag, there's a ton of lists. I really honestly say this. If it's going to be important for you and your comfort, bring it. So many people are like, don't overpack. I'm a notorious overpacker, but that means I want for nothing. If I underpack, that sucks when I didn't have an extra outfit and now I got, I spilled something on mine and this is what I have to wear home or I have to put the clothes that I wore coming into the hospital back on. And during COVID, my doula recommended wearing trash clothes, like clothes you don't care about into the, into the hospital and then leaving them in the hospital and throwing them away essentially um, just because of COVID, like not bringing that stuff back home which is really good advice Um, because I gave birth in October, last October. So COVID was still pretty, uh, pretty much a huge um, issue and it still is to this day. But so that's just some advice in terms of what to pack. The the three things you're going to want though are your own water bottle because you're not going to want to have to sip from a straw. Um, I like my little Contigo water bottles like $10 at Target and because you're going to you're not going to want to have to like tilt or like take off a top because I like the water bottles where you just push a button it flips and then you can drink from the straw and because you don't want to have to fill your water bottle super often like having to send your birth partner out the room to to do that a couple of times is no big deal but if you really need them for help during contractions it's just nicer to have the water there and a lot of times your nurse will refill your water pitcher if you have a good nurse Um, my nurses were always amazing and so you're definitely going to want top three things chargers like long chargers that go six feet, 10 feet. So you can always have your phone nearby because you're not going to want to get out of bed. Um, Chapstick because it gets chappy. Definitely like a hairbrush because you're going to, after you give birth, birth, you're going to look at your hair and your face and go, what the heck did I just go through? And um, so chapstick, water bottle, hairbrush, and the long chargers. Of course, your phone or a camera. Those are the most important things. Everything after that, falls into comfort and like I brought my own pillows I brought my own blankets and because the hospital blankets and pillows aren't comfortable and I just gave birth I want to be like cozy and comfy in the bed with my baby and so if you overpack who cares it's your life that's what I always say people made fun of me I rolled in with a suitcase like what are you doing and I was like well in here is my pillow my outfits my blanket my baby's clothes yeah it's a lot of stuff but I'm going to take a shower, like wash my face, put on my moisturizer and feel really good about myself in my cute little matching pajamas compared to feeling like a troll. So that's just my advice. Bring what makes you feel comfortable. And I've said it before on the podcast and I'll say it again. When is the right time to have a baby when you and your partner are ready? Or 80% ready. Because you're never like fully ready, right? Um, People always say, wait until you have this much money saved in the bank. Wait until you buy your own home. Wait until you um, are working your dream job. And a lot of times if you wait until like those certain goals, you're going to be waiting a really long time. And there's nothing wrong with waiting until you're like comfortable, right? So I say when you're comfortable, when you know what your maternity leave is going to look like, when you know what you might want to do after maternity, after the baby's born, things like that are things that you're going to have to consider. Like, am I going to want to return to work? Can we afford for me to stay home? That's the biggest thing I wish I would have thought of because maybe I would have waited a year for Mia and then maybe I would have stayed home with her. But, you know, we're not regretting our life decisions. Everything happens for a reason. Um, So those are some things to think about. And then also just go for it. If you and your partner are both excited and want to and um, feel like almost ready. Because you're never really ready to become a parent. There's always going to be little things you're worried about. But I definitely encourage like or just want to remind you that nobody's life is perfect. 
And so you have your baby on your timeline, not someone else's. Okay, so this episode is running long, so I'm about to stop talking. But I just wanted to update you on my life as normal. It is chaos and whatever. So we are touring preschools and trying to make decisions about that. Um, but so last week, last weekend, or I don't even know if it was like last weekend, maybe the weekend before last, I was going... I had a busy day where it was my mom's birthday weekend. I had to go to a wedding with Ethan and we had to find clothes for Ethan to wear, clothes for Elliot to wear. It turned out to be like a really casual wedding. So I feel dumb for even shopping for clothes. And I left my phone on the back of my car because, you know, it was like I worked that morning. It was Saturday morning. I worked till 11. Then the wedding was at four. So then we had to go to the store right after work, come back, do lunch. So none of my kids got to nap all morning. And then so I sent my mom, Mia to my mom's house. And then later my mom brought Mia back after the wedding. So we were home at like seven and my mom brought Mia maybe like closer to eight. And it was just chaos. But anyway, I left my phone on the back of my car. So we were going to Kohl's, which I never have shopped at Kohl's. I'm not saying I've never been to Kohl's because I have, but I've never shopped there seriously. And oh my gosh, I'm obsessed now. Like the toy section is popping. At least mine is. Um, Lauren Conrad's Kohl's collection for babies is really cute. If you're like me and you don't want to put your boy in like trucks and balls, like I don't want him to be covered in dinosaurs, monster trucks, or basketballs. It's like really cute, clean, neutral, like clothing. So anyway, I'm obsessed with Lauren Conrad's baby clothes and even kids clothes collection. Super cute at Kohl's. Um, Lauren Conrad, if you sponsored me or like want to be my friend, that'd be amazing. Love the hills. Anyway, so... I left the, my phone on the back of my car and I didn't even know I did this. Like we were running around town. I thought I left it in the house. And um, when we got back from the store, I told Ethan like, hey, can you call my phone so we can find it? I need to charge it before we leave. And when he did, some guy at a construction site up the street was like, hey, yeah, I have the phone. So apparently it rode on the back of my car up the street past the high school that was near my house and fell off. And luckily... This guy is doing some construction and he found it because guys you guys know iPhones are expensive I don't have the protection plan. I'm an idiot because I've never really broken my iPhone before Like I've never had an, an issue and it's like a 12. So it's like Not the newest one. It's just like a regular 12, but it's newer And you know these things are expensive and so I'm so thankful he found it And so then I get it and my screen is cracked it works fine it charges fine like thank god it's not seriously damaged um but the screen is jacked up the screen is cracked and so i can't take selfies and if you don't know most of my social media is done using the selfie part of the camera like either on a tripod and i set the timer or just like me holding my phone like selfies are how we do social media so i've been struggling for the past two weeks without my selfie function, but we're going on vacation on Tuesday. So I scheduled to have Best Buy fix my screen and I'm hoping they can do it um, on Friday. And it's Mia's birthday weekend. And so we're going to a princess ball. So I need to take pictures and then we're going to Adventure Park, which is like an amusement park, like a smaller amusement park near my house that has a ton of stuff. And I just need my selfie function to be back. And so I'm laughing at the chaos. Um, I'm thankful my phone was returned to me and wasn't actually missing where I had to like replace it right then and there. I'm thankful that it works, but that's just how life is sometimes. Your phone flies off the back of your car. And I have left things on my car so many times. I need to stop putting things on the roof of my car. So I have left like Starbucks on the top of my car and I've driven from one location to the next location and the Starbucks is still be on my car. And I feel like an idiot, like pulling up to Target with my freaking sweet cream vanilla cold brew sitting up on the roof getting a tan. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, what am I doing with my life? And then the things have like flown off my car. Like, ugh, I wish that 
I guess because like when you have kids, it's so chaotic when you're just like trying to get out because it's like, all right, let me put the diaper bag in the passenger seat. Do, 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 do. All right. Kid one in the car seat. Snap, snap, snap. Kid two in the car seat. Snap, snap, snap. Kid one is crying. Here's a toy. Kid two wants a snack. Here's a snack. And then it's like run around the car, get in the car. Okay. AC settings are good. I have to adjust the mirrors if my husband's driven because he is six one and I'm four eleven and a half. So we don't see the same way. And then we go. So, of course, if I put my phone or my freaking Starbucks on the roof, it's going to get left because I get distracted. And so this is just a PSA to, like, don't put your stuff on the roof because you'll leave it. And if you're good at I, I was doing a really good, like, you know, long time without leaving stuff on the roof. But things were just really chaotic that day. But anyway, so that was this week's episode about birth and a whole bunch of other random things. I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in forever. Um, as always, don't don't forget to rate the podcast in Apple iTunes. It really means so much. It's like a small podcaster, like a small, not like small business, but like kind of like podcaster. It means a lot for visibility. And I hope you guys have a really, really great weekend. Summer is flying by. So I just want to encourage you to get out if you haven't gotten out book a trip if you haven't booked a trip do something fun um get in a pool go to the lake google get on eventbrite find a wine event like do something fun because it's summer before you know it it's going to be dark at 4 p.m and we're all going to be crying and buy our solar lights that like give us help us with our winter depression that happens to me all right anyway enjoy your week i love you all and i will talk to you next week bye guys